Welcome to Girlfriends Pray. We are a prayer ministry for women where our mission is to draw more women closer to God through prayer. We would like to welcome you to our series on mental wellness. In this series, we are focused on the elements of prevention, intervention, and support. Within the African American community, there is the belief that no matter how great the burden, prayer is the answer. While we as women of faith know and understand the power in prayer, we also know that God gives wisdom to trained mental health professionals to support us through difficulties. The purpose of this series is to educate our sisters on the importance of maintaining mental wellness as well as open the conversation around treatment. We hope you enjoy the series and that you will share it with someone. Ladies and gentlemen, we have been covered. We are complete in prayer. My name is Theodora, and I am here for what we call the after call. And today we are delighted, and I am, it is my pleasure to be able to introduce um, today a licensed clinical social worker by the name of Teresa Silva, who is going to come on today and talk with us a little bit about the importance of setting boundaries as it relates to your mental health. Um, I'm going to um, ask Teresa to come in in a minute, but I just want to invite you all to invite someone else to the line for you to stay back as long as you can um, and to also just get your questions ready. If you have any questions, when we open up for questions, um, you just star six and come on in and you'll be able to ask Teresa um, a question. And I just want to say that I'm going to allow her to introduce herself, but I do want to say that one of the things in her bio that um, really stuck out to me is that um, Teresa is a licensed clinical social worker who um, really, really um, takes pride and is um, really dedicated to teaching clients how to take care of themselves and gain insight on where they begin and others end. And that, that just really stuck out to me. So, Teresa, I'm going to ask you to come in. I'm going to ask you to introduce yourself. And then I'm going to ask you to just talk a little bit more about what that means. So you can start. Hi, everyone. Am I here? Yep, you're here. I can hear you. Okay. <laughs> Good morning. Thank you so much, Theo, for such a nice introduction. Um, yes, my name is Teresa Silva, and I am a licensed clinical social worker. My practice is located in Atlanta, Georgia. I am in Midtown of Atlanta, and I've been in practice now since 2014. And as Theo says, yes, I specialize in um, the areas of addiction and codependency. And it is my mission, and I am very, very passionate about teaching others how to set boundaries and to understand where they end and others begin. <clears throat> so I'm so happy to be here this morning. 
And Theo, is there anything else you want me to say about my practice before we get started? Um, yeah, well, you can tell them how they can reach you um, if you want to give them, you know, your, your number or your email or if you're on social media. Sure, sure. Um, my number is 678-849-9463, and my address is 1100 Spring Street, Suite 380, that's Atlanta, Georgia. 30309. Currently, my website is soon to be launched, so hang tight for that. I don't have that right now. And the best way to reach me is by phone. Um, my email address is healing, H E A L I N G, tree, T R E E, C as in cat, S as in Sam, at gmail.com. So thank you so much. So let's get into um, this conversation because as we spoke briefly about it, like boundaries is is an area where I think we all um, struggle with, try to set, fall off, and um, really, you know, need help with maintaining a consistency with that. So can you tell us a little bit about how you help your clients manage that area of really figuring out where they um, begin and others end? Sure. So my focus, my focus at Healing Tree is to help others understand, first, what boundaries are. Um, a lot of my clients come to me when they find uh, my profile on psychology today. I meant to mention that. You know, they see that, and they see that I specialize in addiction and codependency. So a lot of my clients come to me with the thought that if I could fix the loved one, if I could fix their family member, friend, um, spouse, then they would feel better. And so I do a lot of education around we have to start with you. Let's start with taking care of you, and I try to understand what's going on in the situation. I get a lot of clients that come to me with a family member that's addicted to a substance. It doesn't have to be um, it doesn't have to be an actual drug. It can be food, it can be sex, it can be a number of things. And so my job is to teach the client that, hey, we have to work on you first. We can't fix the other person. The healthier you are, the healthier others tend to come to become around us. And so the biggest challenge for a lot of us that struggle with codependency um, is that, you know, saying no is really difficult. And so setting a boundary is really hard. And I try to, you know, educate others that it's not the boundary that's the hardest part. It's the feelings that come up as a result of setting the boundary. You know, there's that guilt and shame or whatever the feelings that come up with setting the boundary. And especially it's difficult for us to put ourselves first. And we've been so used to being the caretaker, the giver, the rescuer, the savior, that we forget that we exist as well. So I like to do a lot of education. I have two clinicians that currently work under my practice now, and so they are also trained in this. So I'm just really, really 
excited and fulfilled when a client comes to me and they gain that insight and awareness that, wow, like, wow, you're going to teach me how to take care of myself. And it's just a, it's, it's truly a joy. So I'm, I'm going to um, ask if, before I ask you another question, I'm going to ask if there's anyone on the line that wants to come in and ask um, Teresa a question about boundaries or anything. Um, she's a licensed clinical social worker, although she specializes in um, addiction and codependency, she will be able to answer any questions you have around the topic of mental um, wellness and mental health. So if you want to come in and ask a question, please star six, and um, Teresa will be happy to answer your question. Hey, greatness. It's Kim. How are you? Good morning. Good morning. I had a quick question in regards to boundaries. Setting up boundaries can be very difficult when you are responsible for multiple family members. Like I'm a caretaker for my parents as, and as well as uh, help facilitate things for my brother um, who has an addiction as well as some psychiatric issues. So sometimes managing all of that, as well as being a mother, even though I'm an adult, um, I have an adult son um, with COVID, you know, that really knocked off things for him. So it's almost as if I'm managing three separate households. So I find it difficult to manage the boundaries when those around you don't respect the boundaries. So what coping mechanisms would you suggest without me, you know, being, you know, not so nice (laughs) when I feel my boundaries (laughs) are being disrespected? (laughs) Right, right. So first I want to encourage you, Kim, I'm not sure if you do or not, but it would be nice to, it would be good, it would be helpful if you were in therapy um, with someone who can help you navigate through difficult situations like this. Because um, this is a conversation that a lot of us don't have, and it would be really, really good to talk to someone to help you just navigate through that and navigate through all the stressors and everything. You carry, it sounds like you carry a lot, and so you have to unpack that and unload it. You know, the, the different, the difficult Thing when it comes to family members who don't respect our boundaries, sometimes we forget that's not their job. Like, they're not going to respect your boundaries. The most important thing is that we respect our own boundaries and that we're very firm in those boundaries. There's that line in the sand where we say, hey, hey, I get it. We all got stuff going on, but you're not going to cross this line. You know, and then when we're impacted by someone else's behavior, you know, that's when it's, it's not okay anymore. And so, and especially when you're dealing with addicts, I come from a family of addicts, and so I completely understand. And one of the things that I've learned, um, by the way, I forgot to mention, I've been in recovery myself. Um, I go to what we call Al-Anon meetings. It's for the loved ones of the addict. And it's been so beneficial and helping me to understand there's a difference between putting up a wall and setting a boundary. And when we set a boundary, 
we're detaching with love from that loved one. You know, we're, when it comes to them respecting our boundaries, that's fine. You don't have to respect my boundary, but I do. And so here's the line in the sand. Um, and on the other side of it is I'm still compassionate, you know, for them. I just have to put me first in order for me to take care of my parents and other people. And there's this unhealthy little toxic um, component there. I have to set some boundaries around not only myself but around other loved ones who are innocent in all of this. So that's the one part. And there's a difference between putting up a wall, which is cutting people off. That's that harsh part, you know, where we're just like, you know what, I'm just done with you. I'm not going to – I'm just not – I'm not – going to fool you at all. Um, that's the, that's cutting someone off. That's the wall. The boundary is, mm, no, I'm not going to pick up that call today. <laughs> nope, I'm going to call. Sometimes it has to be as tough as, mm, I'm going to go ahead and call um, for help or assistance, you know, whether it's the police, you know, it, it just has to be, you have to um, go to a resource that's above yourself sometimes when the other person is really not respecting your boundaries. So I hope I was explaining that. I know you could hear the passion in my voice because <laughs> I, I talk about this all the time. So, Kim, was that helpful? Yes, it was. And, yes, you are correct. <laughs> I, um, I actually am an advocate for um, mental health. So for me, um, being an advocate, I do – I have so many, like my um, employer um, has multiple avenues. So, like, for me, I have a social worker. I have a um, another team member, which I'm not really sure what her role is, but she checks on me. I have a counselor. I have a psychiatrist. Um, uh, our last session, someone mentioned something that I didn't have, which was that one friend. So now I've recruited the one friend. But the boundaries definitely, um, I I definitely do a shut off um, where because I live with my parents to help them, so I, it'll get to a point that I'll have to lock the door. But um, I try to do what you said, especially with my brother. Like it's times that I can't answer the phone because he'll call like repeatedly multiple times, and after the first or second call, that's it for me. So I thank you. So you kind of um, helped me not feel guilty about what I'm doing and also to even um, go a little further with it. So thank you so very much. You're welcome. Does anyone else have a question and want to star six and come in? Yes, I have a question. Go ahead, ma'am. We can hear you. Okay, I don't want to give my name, but I'm tr- I'm I'm really having some problems. I um am guardian of person for a family member um who is a ward of the state, and I I have to deal with his abuse, but sometimes um well I I'm able I'm able to deal with to deal with that. But but the problems that I have are dealing with the are dealing with the state because he is um, a ward of the state, but I still have responsibility for him. Um, for years it was, and this has been a a, a little bit over thirty year uh, situation. Um, 
I just don't know where to go. I need right now. I for years I did not have any any legal responsibility. I'm guarding a person, and I just had to do the guardian annual guardianship uh, reports. But somehow the laws changed, and when they found out that he had he had money that was coming from SSI, he had to pay back. He had to pay back money, even though he's a ward of the state. Evidently, if you receive SSDI disability, you can have as much money as you want. But anyway, I'm the only family member that's left to to um, you know watch over his his care. But it just got too too much for me when they started um, making me trying to make me responsible for his for his financial um, commitments. Now he had over over uh, fifty thousand dollars, and they made he paid back the monies that he owed to SS, SSI, but he still awarded he still awarded the state so i didn't want to have anything to do with his money because over the years different people in social social services different people in social security have been dealing with his money and i never wanted to have any kind of any kind of commitment for that so they awarded but they um gave him a, a guardian of of property who is responsible for responsible for the money but now I don't get any any compensation at all for being guardian of person for dealing with his health care, but the person that's guarding the property is a, an attorney and gets paid. So when they when they started trying to make me financially re- responsible, that's when I told the court that they needed to set a person to be the, a guardian of of his his um, property. But when I went to legal services, they said that that, that they are representing him. So they can't represent me, but I don't have enough money to be able to get an an attorney. So now, evidently, I'm I'm having to go having to go to to court to determine, well, to show cause why I should continue to be his guardian of person. I'm the only living family member that's left, and I cannot afford an attorney, and I just don't know where to go, or how to get help okay. because I'm dealing with right. fighting the state. Right. Would you be willing to give me a call after this, and I can maybe possibly walk you through? Yes. Okay. Okay. Do you have my? Did you write down my number? I uh, can give it again. Yes. yes okay. I have it. Okay. Yes. Give me a call right after this, and I'll help you out. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you, Teresa. Um, anybody else have a question? that they um, would like to come in, star six. Yeah, I have a question. Good morning. Um, Good morning. I would like to know, um, I, have a, I have a situation where um, one of my nieces is really, her mother is so dependent on her, and she's on a guilt trip because she feels like, um, she feels like she should be there for her mother and to do everything for her mother and for her cause, just do a lot of things. So I would like to... Um, give my niece your number and so you can um, just sort of help her to set some boundaries for her mom because it's almost like she's the mom and my other niece is the daughter. So they're really, really, it's really a hard situation. Right. That's a good, you know, absolutely. Um, It's good that you brought that up because one of the, another thing that I teach is that just like addiction in families, you know, we, we say it's a, family disease, 
So is codependency, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. and um, what we tend to do is a cycle. You know, we pass it down where mama was like that, you know, grew up in a house, my grandmother took care of everybody, the couch was like a hotel room, you know, everybody could come in and detox, yeah. and, you know, and then what happens is I watched that and then I took those same kind of behaviors and tendencies on where I just wanted to, you know, make sure everybody else was okay before I was okay. And so that's, again, where so grateful for therapy, and there's so many resources out here for codependency and self-care and self-love and self-worth, you name it, 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 it goes on and on. And there's also some amazing support groups that are completely free. And I really encourage, especially us of color, unfortunately, you know, I was the only person of color in many of those rooms because we just, we take it on that we don't tell people our business, you know, but there's right. support out there and we have to just be willing to do something different. And so I want to first encourage you to encourage your niece to reach out for support um, to kind of understand that this is a family disease and that there is help for her. And again, therapy is a great first start to just gaining some insight and awareness into the situation. Um, but, yes, is she in Atlanta? Yeah, you please, she, no, she's in Philly. But can you please give your number okay. out again? I didn't have a pen to write it Sure, down. sure. My number is 678-849-9468. So because I'm in Atlanta, I can only um, see people who are actually in the Georgia okay. area, in the Atlanta okay. area, but I can help her gain some resources in Philadelphia or help her, help direct her to where to go for help. Um, another thing about my right. practice, we also, we accept insurance where a lot of, um, of agents, I mean, a lot of um, counseling services, they don't, uh, practices, I'm so sorry. They don't accept insurance benefits, so that's another positive because I just wanted to have access to, I wanted other people to have access to getting help that couldn't afford it. Mm-hmm. Um, so mm-hmm. we do accept um, insurance at Healing Tree. Okay, thank, thank you so much. You're welcome. That. You're welcome. Um, so, Teresa, you know, I, I hear yeah. a lot of people, and I think we spoke about this as well, right, that, you know, there's that, that guilt that is attached to setting boundaries. So can you talk a little bit about um, healthy boundaries versus unhealthy boundaries and how setting them in a certain way can help people cope or deal with not feeling guilty around setting boundaries? Right. So. Um, we, when we talk about that, so I, I like how you say the healthy boundaries versus unhealthy boundaries. Listen to me clearly, everybody. A boundary is a boundary and is healthy. It's just when we, like I was saying earlier, when we tend to cut someone off, that is, that's putting up a wall. You know, boundaries are flexible. They're movable. You can bend them, like, you know, you can adjust the boundary. You could say one day, nope, not talking to you today, just not answering the phone, then tomorrow you could change your mind. So know that boundaries are flexible and they're movable. But when you put that hard stuff up, when you're just like, you know what, I'm just cutting you off, like I'm just done with you, 
there's a if you're doing that, you know, hopefully it's coming from a place where this person is dangerous. This person is very toxic and they're not adhering to the boundaries that you set and that your safety is in jeopardy. So that is something I want you to consider. You know, if your mental health, if you find yourself like constantly in a cycle of anxiety or depression and it's continually because you continue to open the door to a certain person, place, or thing, that's when you have to put up that, that more firmer boundary. So, you know, just make sure of the situation that you're dealing with, um, and that will help you kind of move forward and setting the boundary. When I spoke earlier, when I said that, you know, one of the, the most difficult things we struggle with in setting a boundary, which is that line in the sand that says, hey, you know, no, you can't cross this, um, is that setting the boundary is not the hard part. Like saying no is a complete sentence, right? We hear that all the time. But it's the, we, that's not the hardest part is saying no. The hardest part is that feeling that comes up as a result of setting the boundary, right? That's that guilt and shame and feeling like you're, do, you're doing something wrong. And it's really, um, it's, a, it's a tough process to help someone unlearn some very conditioned behaviors. And sometimes, you know, you hear people say, oh, my mother put me on a guilt trip or somebody's giving out guilt trip tickets. You know, guilt is one of those things where it's an, it's an irrational thought. Like, you stop and you ask yourself, what did I do wrong here? Like, this person violated my boundaries. Like, but what did I do wrong? You know, it's really having that kind of rational conversation with yourself. And it's when you kind of stop and you have to think yourself through it for a minute. But that's when we just want to put some reality around that guilt. Because guilt is not always real. It's just not. I can't even say it's always, it's not real. And so I love to help people understand that a lot of this goes way back. You know, it goes back to childhood, and it goes back to how you grew up and what you were exposed to. And if you saw, you know, your mom being guilted by her mom and then her mom being guilted by your grandma, like it just goes back. So we like to put a lot of reality around that irrational thought that I've done something wrong because I've said no. And that's, that's yeah, that's, that's a healthier way to kind of look at it. Um, Theo, is that? Yes, I know that. That really does answer the question. So that, I, Okay. <laughs> um, before I ask my next question, I'm going to ask if there's anyone else that has a, another question that would like to come in. You can star six. And ask Teresa a question. Is 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 not so so. It's interesting, and 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 I and I had this conversation with my therapist because I, I will say you know, for me, um, having experienced um, therapy when I was in a functionally depressive state, versus now where. To me, therapy is preventative care, right? So for me, in order to maintain and make sure, you know, I'm always um, mindful of my mental state, I, I have a therapist just for that, that preventative side, right? And so one of the conversations we recently had was around what you just said, no is a complete sentence, right? Because that is a term that we hear people say a lot and 
while it is true, sometimes the, the guilt and the shame or even the feelings we have come up with no sometimes to when you say it to other people can be seen as being harsh, right, or putting up a wall or just not being compassionate or caring. So can you talk about other ways um, that someone could actually say no without actually saying no? Yes, absolutely. So when I when I hear that, you know, like how do I just, you know, set this boundary, how do I not be – how do I not put this person on defense, right? Because it seems like sometimes when we, when we say no or whatever, the person gets offended or when we set a boundary, um, they get defensive. And so, again, I want, I want us to always remember how another person reacts to our boundaries. It's not our business. That is their business. That's on them. If you know, again, that you didn't do anything wrong by saying no, that you were – putting yourself first in that situation. That was part of your self-care. You're protecting your serenity, right, your peace and um, your joy. And so if you know that you know you're not doing anything wrong, you're convinced of that, you know, then you have to detach from how the other person reacts to you because that's their stuff. It's very hard for people to understand, especially if you've always been used to saying yes. You've always been the yes guy. And then for you to start saying no, it's, it's not going to be received well by a lot of people. And so we're always careful to, we want to learn how to be honest and direct in our communication, but not hurtful. And if you know that your intention in setting the boundary and in saying no is not to be hurtful, then that's what you have to lean back on. And, to, again, it's knowing yourself and knowing um, what your motives are behind it and that it's not to hurt the other person. So if they are defensive or offensive, you did, that was not your intention. Your intention was simply to protect your serenity in that moment um, and not to be, you know, harsh. Sometimes we could just, um, we could say things or we can, and, and when it's difficult for us to say no, you know, we'll actually get defensive or we'll say things, um, you know, we'll put it back on the person, like, well, if they ask you for a ride, you know, and you say back to them, well, didn't you, how were you going to get here to begin with? You know, like, that's not necessary in the moment, right? <laughs> What's necessary that, no, I can't do it. Um, I'm, I, I, I just can't. I can't take you home tonight. You know, and not to make excuses for it or to um, go into really trying to appease their feelings or feeling bad. It's, um, that's, again, that's that place where it's like, oh, wow, I'm so sorry that you're stuck in this situation, but I'm not going to be able to help you out, period. And it's all in the delivery. That's another part, too. You, you know, when you're in a place where you're, you know, firm in your boundary, you don't have to worry about coming across as harsh or angry or mean. It's just that, no, I can't do it. And so... Again, uh, I'm so glad that you're in therapy and you're working through this because it's a learning process. We don't learn this overnight. It's a it's a step-by-step process. You know, all of these things, we learn them over years, so it's like trying to unlearn them. It's not going to happen, you know, just overnight. So so, so um, we, have, we have probably about another nine minutes. I, I want to be, be stopped for your time, so we'll try to end around eight. 
um, 8 a.m. But um, again, I want to open the lines to anyone that may have a question. You can start six and come in and ask a question. Um, if not, good morning. Uh, oh, good, good morning. morning. How are you? Good morning. Good morning. I'm fine. Thank you. I have a question. Okay. Um, I like to, for my, for my child, I like to help people, and I always cling to the elderly. And I'm always saying yes, and then I find myself tired and exhausted when I come home, you know, and I have to take care of a home and a family. And when I find myself in a situation where I'm being pulled too much because my time that I'm offering is being overtaken, and I find myself, I don't know which side I'm going sometimes, and I said to myself, okay, you got to slow down and you got to let go because if not, you're not going in a good place. And I find myself sometimes getting sick. And then when I get sick, I'm all alone with no one to turn to. And But when I find myself where I have to let go, then that's when I lose that person's friendship. And then it made me ask myself if others being used or what is the reason because when I was available, everything was fine. But then when I have to step back and take care of myself because I find myself going in a place I don't want to be, then I lose that friendship. So what I do, I just withdraw myself because I felt then I was being used, you know, and that's, that's not what I want. I want when I extend help to you that you appreciate it, but it's come a time that sometimes things become overwhelming and you have to step back and take yourself. If not, because if I'm not good, I can't help you. So how do you handle a situation like that? Okay. Thank you so much. I didn't get your name. My name is Patricia. Hi, Patricia. Um, yes, so that's, that's so good that you said that. One of the things that I love um, also teaching clients about is that sometimes we have these blind spots, right? There's these spots that we have. I call them blind spots because there, there's an area where it's kind of not clear to us when we're being taken advantage of, you know, especially for those of us who are caretakers and givers and we just grew up always pouring, 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 right? We just give, 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 give. And we never, and then when all of a sudden a friendship, a person is like, hey, I don't want to be your friend anymore, they just pull away, it's because you changed and because you started to say no, you've let go, you, you know, put some boundaries in place. And so that's not always going to be received well by others who've been so used to taking, taking, taking from you. So there's a role we play that we become clear in, you know, that we take, we take responsibility for the role we play in the relationship, in the friendship, um, you know, in the marriage, whatever it is. You know, we, we, there's a role that we play, and if we've always been playing the role of the caretaker and then all of a sudden we decide, I don't want to do that anymore. That 
It's just that it always go well with the other person. My, my true thought when it comes to friendship, when there's a true friendship, a true connection, um, that it will always remain or it will grow or it will change. It may take on some different forms, but when there's an honest, true friendship there, that person is willing to say, wow, good for you that you're, you're changing and I want to pour back into you. You know, there's a, it's a mutual friendship. Everybody's on the even playing ground. So when, it, when you're talking about this, these friends not being your friends anymore, Patricia, I want you to just take a look at, okay, are these my friends? Um, you know, and I want you to continue on this journey of taking, um, just taking a different road regarding allowing yourself to be taken advantage of or to continue to just give, 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 and pour, 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 and others aren't pouring back into you. And it's a, again, it's a, it's a, it's a process. But the first step is just that awareness, just being aware, like, wow, I take a, I take a, I'm playing a role in this here, that it's not just on all the other people. And so it's yes, very hard I, to I appreciate that. Up, right? Yeah, yeah. Yes. You got to take care of yourself first. We can't pour out. Yes, because, yes, thank you so much, because I thought that I was, wasn't being um, kind but when you yeah. find yourself in a position that you are the one that's getting drained and you're getting tired and you keep pouring in, pouring in, and you, you're not doing well yourself, and then when you're not doing well, nobody's coming to check on you, you know, but yeah. when you have to withdraw yourself to recoup, that's when you lose everybody. See what yeah. I'm saying? And, and that was I let do. me withdraw myself from people and stay away because then I felt <clears> that I was not the person that I thought there was going to be. I wasn't like I wasn't doing it for charity, uh, for 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 any payment. I do it because that is what that is what is in me. It's to help people. I always ask God to bless me to be a blessing, you know. But I, I saw where I was being overtaken. That's how I felt that I was being overtaken. Uh, Patricia, we thank you. We thank you for your transparency and for sharing. And um, um, thank you. Hopefully, you wrote down um, Teresa's number. So, if you have um, further questions or need a referral to someone that can help you with managing that, Teresa will be able to guide you and direct you. Yes, can I get a number again, please? Yes, my number is six seven eight. Uh-huh. 849-9463. Yes. Thank you so much. Thank you. You're welcome. So, Teresa, as we um, try to wrap up, you know, I want I want to talk to you. I'll probably end, end with, you know, this one thing that, you know, is my pet peeve <laughs> that we talked about, and you mentioned it, but um, one of the things I find in talking to people I know and friends I know, right, who... Going to therapy, and I mean, I even um, struggle with it. But I, you know, I'm I'm privileged or you know blessed to have you and Tamiko and other people right that can give me a referral to someone. But I know when I first started out and was looking for a therapist, the the hardest part was finding someone that took insurance. 
right? And so can you just talk a little bit about um, how someone on the line that might be seeking a therapist but they're struggling with finding one because the therapist doesn't take insurance, how they can go about finding a therapist that either takes insurance or, or gets some help um, with that? Absolutely. So one of the first steps you could take is to call your insurance company. Um, I have people have called me from insurance companies. They'll say, hey, I'm seeking, I have a client that's seeking a black female therapist who accepts, you know, Cigna, Aetna, whatever the insurance is. And so that is a first start. Just call your insurance company and let them know and be specific if there's certain um, there's a certain criteria you're looking for in a therapist. Definitely um, stop, start there. Another um, resource is Psychology Today. You can go on Psychology Today, and you can put in your insurance. You can put in your zip code, your city, your state, um, and all the therapists, and it, it actually gives you categories you can um, check on. And it will pull up all the therapists that accept your insurance within your zip code or um, within your city, and that's a good um, good way to find therapists that accept your insurance. And for and for someone that does not have insurance, are there, um, you know, organizations in in their states or state assistance that they can get with mm -hmm. um, finding mm -hmm. a mental health therapist? Yes. Um, so again trying to think. So there's an organization that I know of that allows up to 12 free sessions. I believe it's just for women, though, um, and it is, um, it's called the Loveland Foundation. So that is, that is one, um, something you could check into. The other thing is if you actually, you have a therapist that you want to see and you just can't afford it, let's say you found a person, it's always okay to ask if the therapist does a sliding scale fee. Um, that's where they'll work with you to say, hey, okay, you can't afford um, therapy, but maybe we can still work together. The other thing is sometimes attached to um, it or in your city, there's like community um, health centers um, or clinics, community clinics that offer free therapy, free mental health services. Um, from psychiatry down to um, this community-based mental health. I've worked at several, and that's always a great resource that people don't realize um, that is offered to them. And so that's just a few. If you, you know, still need any more information, just give me a call, and I'll help you navigate through the city um, you're in. And if okay, can find so some someone goes to their... So if someone goes to their state or city um, website, they would be able to find community um, or county office, like an office of behavioral health or something. Right, right. You could just, you actually, you can always just Google it first, and if that doesn't come up, you know, also your doctor's office. You know, that's another stop. Like your, you know, just your primary care office, they'll be able to direct you um, to possibly some community health centers. That's why I get a lot of calls sometimes, too, from um, doctor's offices that are wanting to help their client. 
a patient. I'm sorry. Yeah, and and the one I want to mention just from just from being a human resources professional is um, most organizations. <laughs> if if you do if you do if you yeah. do work right, if you do have a job and you have an employer, most organizations offer what we would call an employee assistance program that normally you can call and they can also provide you or direct you um, to some mental health services that are that your employer has paid through the EAP program where you would get X number of sessions for free and then they will help you find as well um, someone with um, that takes insurance. Absolutely, Theo. I'm so sorry. I totally forgot. Yes. Yes, you you do. Most employers do, have, and if they don't have it, they'll connect you to another company that does offer it. So the, that is very very true. Okay, and and you know, um, as we wrap up, um, I want to thank you, Teresa, for you know coming on and sharing. As I want to thank all of the therapists that have come on um, prior to you, and I also want to remind everyone on the line that we. We record um, this. We recorded these sessions, and so you can also go back and listen to the sessions that were held with um, Tamiko, who is a, also a licensed clinical social worker, and Dr. Clack, who shared resources um, as well. As Teresa's session will also be recorded and available um, at some point as well. So just a reminder that if you forgetting the and also Dr. Um, Reverend Dr. Sharon White as well. So we've had several sessions. Um, Reverend White, Tamiko, um, Dr. Clack, now um, Teresa Silver. So all of their sessions, all of these conversations will be available on our podcast, and you'll be able to go back and you'll be able to listen again. But each and every one of them have provided resources that you'll be able to um, go back and listen, get their information, and get get those resources. And I also um, want to give Teresa a chance to close out but I also have on, on my back, li back line um, a couple of things that are coming through. And so um, Minister Kim Fuller would just like me to share with each and every one of you, like just to encourage you not to get discouraged um, if you call into somewhere um, for, you know, sometimes there's a long wait time and you're put on hold. Don't get discouraged because the, the system is overwhelmed right now because of COVID and a lot of other things that are going on in, in our society. But please, if you call in and you're trying to get information through your state or your county, don't get discouraged if you have to wait a long time. You know, a lot of times they'll give you an option as well to put your number in for, for them to call you back. So that's just a tip that has been um, provided by Minister Kim Fuller. And having said that, Teresa, I am going to give you an opportunity to close us out and any last thoughts that you have and want to share. Excuse me. Can I just ask you a question? How how do you um, go back and listen to the to if if like if you miss one of these, how do you get to to listen at it? 
Um, we have we have a a pie, we have a podcast that you can access on i iTunes, I believe, also on Spotify as well. Okay, and then and so um, when you download the app, you just put in "girlfriends pray." Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay, because I've heard them say before that you can that you can um, get the the the, the regular ongoing prayers, but is it is it recorded like for every day you can listen at a specific day or you just listen at whatever's recorded there? Well, we we we, we put them up and we we rotate them, but for the most part, um we most of our most of the prayers are up there, but because there's a a limit to how long you can have them up there, they may not remain, but for the most part if you go on to the podcast, you'll have a list of all of the of of prayers that have been been said and recorded. Okay, and so all of these sessions regarding mental health are are there or will be there? They will be there. Yes. Okay. Thank you. You're welcome. Okay, Teresa. Okay, so I just want to just yeah, I just want to thank everybody for listening in and um this was really really um a blessing for me because the more i give back the more i receive and so i just want you all to know thank you for sharing and um this was great and just remember that when it comes to boundaries that the boundaries are for you not for others they're for you so um i hope that everyone will walk away with a little something today and I'll hope to be back soon at some point in the future. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Teresa, I want to thank you um, for spending this time with us. And those of you who have stayed behind, I want to thank you for staying behind. I, I want to say that, you know, we we are excited and also thankful that we were able to provide this series on mental health and wellness. It is definitely something that is needed. Um, I pray that each and every one of you take some time to take a step back and just really think about what you need in order to maintain, you know, your mental health as well. And I am going to now say thank you. I, I hope you have a wonderful day, that you have a wonderful weekend, and that you remember um what we we tell you after every prayer call, First Thessalonians five seventeen, that you should pray without ceasing. So God bless you. Thank you for joining us, and um, we will see you again. Or we will be here again, rather, on Monday at seven a.m. for prayer. So have a wonderful weekend. Stay safe, and please remember to take care of you.